Live from the Nova Home Loan Studios, it's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go. Four o'clock hour is here. We got uh, five o'clock. We send it off to ESPN National. We got the pregame for Fox Suns game six. We'll gauge the interest in the series. I'm into it. It feels weird, though, doesn't it? As I was saying in hour number one, we're starting to move into football season here. SEC media days are going on. We got news today about Cam Akers, the Rams running back. He's down for the season with a ruptured Achilles. We got a Roger story. It's like, man, I know the NBA had to push it back, but this is also proof as to why the NBA needs to get back to the normal schedule to have that, you know, June and early July period. Because the other big thing coming up for the NBA is the the offseason and all the craziness there, and I think they're going to carve out their space, but they have it for themselves. Screw baseball, right? They have it for themselves, you know, in June and early July, and, like, it's pushing up against it. And I'm like, man, I'm like, I'm fired up. I like these finals, but – and it's also the Bucks and the Suns, so it's changing things. All right, big five time. Battled Born Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Four, number five. So some updates on the Olympics. Uh, you know, it was interesting. I was reading a note last night from a guy named Bruce Arthur, who is a uh, Canadian. I think he's in Toronto. A Canadian journalist who was traveling to the Olympics. By the way, I never asked you, would you have wanted to go to these Olympics under these conditions? This seems like your kind of event because it's crazy. Yeah, it would be a crazy thing to chronicle and cover. I, I mean, I don't having traveled a little bit to different places, both here and and you know around the world. Like, I feel like half the experience of going to it is to actually explore. Yeah, and if you're like can't you're go out. go cover this Japan, you have to stay in like a hotel, and you can't, you don't get to go out and like see the city and explore it. I probably wouldn't. That's a long way to go to not be able to actually see anything. Yep, uh, this journalist. From Canada said so in six hours it took us uh, to clear the airport uh, he says three athletes with a question mark tested positive Toyota pulled TV ads despite being a, a one billion dollar IOC sponsor and then there was something going on with the we'll, we'll have to get to the musical composer and him being a scumbag and he had to pull out but uh, yeah Zach Levine is out Sue Bird out Bradley Beal out uh, we know that the USA gymnastics team is not feeling safe about being in the Olympic Village they'll be out of the Olympic Village, and then of course, did we get good news or bad news on the cardboard bets? Depends who you ask. I mean, for, so I think a lot of people have seen the story circulating about the fact that there are cardboard beds, like the frames, right, are made out of cardboard. Are uh, you shocked by that? Am I shocked that they did it? Yeah, not when I no, know that there actually why. there's the existence of cardboard beds. Well, I mean, it was weird to me, but also it. I'm glad that they did it because. Like part of part of what we've talked about the Olympics all the time is how wasteful it is. Right. How they build all these you know massive structures that go to waste in the future. They build Olympic villages that aren't used for anything. Um, these beds are fully recyclable. Right. Which that's why they built them. Now there was a lot of people saying they built these. Like we, a story every Olympics is all the banging that goes on. Right. All the, the drinking. Yeah. One one guy tweeted out beds to be installed. Olympic Village will be made of cardboard. This is aimed at avoiding intimacy among the athletes. Beds will be able to withstand the weight of a single person to uh, avoid situations beyond sports. So this is false. Uh, first of all, the beds were created. Uh, so what they're saying is they don't want people, they don't want athletes having sex with each other in those beds because of COVID. They don't want them mixing. 
the beds were developed pre-COVID. Oh, they were. So, so they also they uh, Takashi uh, Kitajama. Okay. Any clue? A general manager of the Athletes Village said that uh, they can actually stand. The beds can stand up to two hundred kilograms. Got to do it. I thought it was higher. It's like four hundred. It's like I think that's four. 420, 440? 200 kilograms. is 440 pounds. Yeah. Well, look at, look at that. Good. So, I mean, like, you know, if it were like in the old days and it was, you know, Mark Henry and Jennifer Capriotti, like Mark Henry's gigantic. Those are two random. Like that would be, that would be, um, that would be tough. Sure. Like if it's, if it's power lifters, then you might have some trouble getting intimate. Um, and and I'm, I wasn't saying Capriotti was gigantic. Mark Henry's gigantic. Sure. But, uh, but 440 pounds, because I was actually wondering, I was going to ask you, because I, I, I actually, I would be. I'm afraid of breaking stuff now. Sure. Well, what I'm afraid of is the fall. I'm not afraid of like breaking. I am cheap, so I don't want to break stuff I buy. Right. But uh, every once in a while, I'll get in a plastic chair and it's like, <sighs> like if I, it doesn't make that noise, but it's kind of that feeling like, oh my God, this is too much weight. Please get off me if the chair can speak. <laughs> sure. But 440 pounds, we'd both be okay. Now, yes. now, if you and I wanted to sleep together, not that way, that would be a problem. It would, but I also don't know if that's even true. Really? You think because, you think you and I could lay down in a cardboard bed? Well, I saw Maybe I Angel watched, could join us. The entire crew here at Nova Home Loans could jump in the bed. I watched an Irish athlete oh, really? uh, do a video yeah. from the Olympic Village where he was like aggressively jumping on the bed. <laughs> like jumping up, landing on his knees, jumping yeah. back up, landing, you know, like uh, landing, sitting down. Like trying to put as much pressure on the bed as he could, and it held up very well. The Japanese GM said uh, these things are stronger than a wooden bed. Yeah, and I don't know how strong wood beds are. Necessarily. I'd like to get one. Well, the, the whole point is that they're temporary. Though. I actually, uh, I did. I think I've told the story before. We have we have uh, two different like platformy beds, you know, where you've got like the slats across, and we did break one of them, but it absolutely was not going at it. It was just <laughs> me. I moved, and all of a sudden, I heard like. <sighs> Did so you... I've, I've I've triple reinforced it. I've now crisscrossed the slats, and I bought like another like wrapped slat thing. And then every once in a while, because that one's in the front of the house, every once in a while if I'm landing, I hear y'all start to hear like like it's, it's struggling. So this cardboard bed might be an option. Did they actually break, or did they just kind of rearrange? No, there were some cracking. Like blinds. There were some cracking. Because I I wasn't sure. Like I have the same thing, and I was like, well, what is going on? And then I went and looked underneath it, and. I just hadn't installed them properly, so they were slipping down. So they were all bunched up like Venetian right, blinds. Right, so you weren't getting the support. Venetian blind might not be the right one. What are the what are the regular <laughs> blinds when they all get bunched up together? I don't know whatever that is. And then all I had to do was spread it out and, and actually, you know, put them back in the place where they're supposed to be, and they were, it was fine. It wasn't it wasn't a problem at all. Number four. I think that. Please write that down on the tease board. Miles Simmons coming up in about twenty five minutes. I think cardboard bed discussion with Miles. Could be a good one. He just moved. Maybe. He's very thin, and he should invest in. I hope he didn't buy a bed yet. Maybe very high on cardboard. Yeah. Uh, Adam Schefter reports this morning that uh, Aaron Rodgers was offered a two-year extension on his deal. He turned it down. Said uh, would have made him the highest-paid player in football. Says that's proof. It's not about the money. I don't even want to get into like what it what it means. To me, what this means is that the Packers leaked this to Adam Schefter, which I think is a terrible move if if i were aaron Rodgers, i'd be like this is what i'm talking about what are you guys doing that was between us or i mean i had it i took a different approach i thought this was aaron Rodgers leaking it really to say everybody that's out there that keeps saying it's about money 
stop. Ooh, it's okay. not. It's always the guessing game of where yeah. the source is or yeah. where the source is from. Who is the source? And usually it's pretty easy to figure out, but sometimes it's not. I, I think it's it's just as likely that that the that Aaron Rodgers side was like, let's let's put an end to this nonsense that this is about money or that I just was seeking money or something like that. Let's put it out there that I could have been I could have signed to be the highest paid player in the league, and I still said no. Number three. Nolan Patrick, newest Golden Knight speaks. He was in that swap with uh, Philly and Nashville. Cody Glass goes bye-bye. He spoke. What did he say? Um, he talked about just getting a fresh start, and I think that was kind of the theme of, of this trade in general, of two players that were top six picks in the 2017 draft that haven't completely panned out for their teams. Uh, both have gone through significant injury uh, processes through their career already, uh, their young career. So uh, two guys just getting a fresh start. And uh, Nolan Patrick said, you know, this was going to be the biggest offseason of my career before I got traded. Now it's even more massive. Um, he says that last year was affected because, you know, he missed all of uh, the 2019-20 season uh, with migraine issues, which were, um, he believes, and his doc- he says his doctors believe, unrelated to his concussion issues, which I find shocking and baffling, but um, I'm no doctor. Uh, so he said the concussions and the migraines are two separate issues. Uh, migraines are more of a family issue. Uh, but, you know, he said that early in the year last year, he was a little nervous after missing a full year to really, you know, get get in the mix, uh, take contact, uh, avoided contact quite a bit. But then later in the year, he felt more comfortable uh, and he believes he's fully healthy now. So uh, he thinks it's a big time for him going forward. I, I would agree. I mean, this is this is the time now for a top you know five pick as he was top two pick uh, to really you know take your game to the next level after having missed one season. Now you got a season to get back in the mix. Now you're with a new, a new team. Uh, you'll have a new role. Uh, this is the time to take a big step forward. He believes he will. Number two. Suns and Bucks coming up at 6 o'clock. Pre-game is at 5 o'clock right here on ESPN Las Vegas. To set the scene, boy, it's going to be crazy in Milwaukee tonight if they win the NBA title. I guess that Deer District could hold, I don't know what it was, like 40,000. They've now somehow enlarged the area where they're you know, allowing more access to the area. 65,000 could be slash are expected to be outside the arena tonight. 65,000 people. Oof. There's a, uh, there's a strip club right on the corner, too. I'm sure that'll be, that'll be jumping. I keep forgetting you went to Milwaukee, what, one time? That, well, was, that was your Packers one time recent, Dom, Dommer one time, visit? One time recently. Yeah. Well, I went many times you know, when I was younger, but you I've did. gone I've gone once, many, four or five. Uh, but, yeah, I've gone once as an adult, you know, in the last two years. Um, and I stayed right down there close to the arena. So got to walk around. There's a lot a to bit. do down there? Or is uh, it real quiet at night? It was freezing, so it was a little, it was a little different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's there's bars and stuff around there. there. And and the, you never know. You 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 act like it's a given. There are cities that are stupid and build Houston arenas and stadiums where there's nothing around. Houston, which one? Downtown Houston has nothing. Downtown Houston is quiet. The, Except that what's that one company? The Papa. They have like they have like six different. It's not really downtown though. It's all around. So and it, I'm not even sure of that restaurant because that one's near that one's near the Toyota Center. Is that what it's called? Whatever yeah. the Houston arena is called. Uh-huh. And I, I don't even I don't even know if it's open like super late on non-game days we went we were there for what college basketball final four Um, it's it's quieter than you would expect it downtown well and i remember we talked downtown we talked to the mayor of houston at the time it was one of the it it stands out of my mind so much because it was so shocking that houston is one of the five largest i think it's fourth largest city in in america Mm -hmm. 
the population of downtown actual <laughs> metro houston yeah. is three thousand. nobody lives downtown that seems small it's crazy and so so yeah there are downtowns certainly where there's nothing around but yeah in the, in, in the milwaukee downtown uh there's definitely some stuff around there and uh they will be they'll all be coming in from all over the place Dahmer's, Dahmer's place is not right right there in the area it's a little bit a little bit away oh, over closer to actually uh the baseball stadium that's where Dahmer was. that's good to know I'll, I'll make sure to seek it out next time i'm in milwaukee yeah. which will be never uh Giannis, if they win tonight for you what what does that mean for Giannis and his legacy because i would i'll lock it in right now uh it puts him damn close to being in the hall of fame um top 10 power forward of all time and definitely better than barkley yeah, by the way, Miles gotta, was, gotta win titles, brother. Miles was dragged to Dobbers. Dobbers Simmons was. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean I listen, uh, my obsession with Giannis started very early uh in his NBA career. I've you know thought he was going to get to this level already. Uh a title uh at this age with you know, without in they have a good team, a good supporting cast for sure. But I think I've never been an anti-super team person. I don't really trash those guys for teaming up, but he didn't. He stayed where he was. Um, that that's a good, you know, that, that's a great point. He then all these guys who bash the super team, th- super team thing, should be putting him up on a pedestal. Like yeah. he didn't do it. You know, he waited for some you know other kinds of players to come with him. Maybe not superstars, good players like Chris Middleton. You know, as they built the team up, um, he should get credit for that. Yeah. What they'll, I mean, what they'll really say is, well, the Nets didn't have their full complement of players. Oh God, it's going to be even even when they win it, it's going to be an asterisk. Probably, and the West, you know, the best teams from the West really didn't get there. Even the Suns were good all year, and they did, you know they deserved it. The, the, they got a, a kind of a free pass with all the teams that they snuck by uh, in the playoffs that were all hurt. So uh, that's probably what we'll look at. But yes, I think this is a, a potentially legacy defining win tonight for Giannis. Number one. So you wrote a story on Mark Bedane and uh, National Search coming up for the Raiders. He's the president of the Raiders, or was. He resigned yesterday. And there's nothing, do we think there's there's nothing nefarious here? It's just, hey, he moved on, but he's got another job. I mean, what are you hearing? Heard tired. Just tired. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. So what about this National Search? This is important. This is a, this is a freaking massive hire. Keep in mind, um, yeah, I think the president is going to deal with more of the non-football stuff, right? A lot of the community yeah. stuff, a lot of the business stuff. They have a lot of business still to get done, especially around the stadium. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the first first thing in order is to get the parking situation fixed, and then there's the the whole. Basically, that's going to be a, a stadium district at some point. And the air conditioning and the air conditioning. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I, th- I think there's there's still like listen. The stadium's done. They're ready to have fans and to have a full season in, the, in you know in, with an NFL team and the college team and concerts and everything else. Like they're they're ready to go, but there are still things as you said to iron out to work out. Um, and also the district around it is the next step in acquiring a lot of the land, which they've started to do and have made significant progress on. And then, you know, figuring out who's going to build what and what kind of you know restaurants and bars and all that stuff's going to be around. How about there. how much more money can we make? What are the other revenue streams that we can have around the stadium? Sure. How can Let's we be take, realistic. How can we take advantage of, um, you know, what we we're able to get, not only in upfront money from Las Vegas, but also how can we take advantage of, this tax district and everything else that's around it and what can we profit off of and all those things are still to be done um and yeah the president of the football team is a business job it's not a football job like you're not making decisions on free agents and stuff like that i i saw some some tweets today coming in of like well now we'll find out if if it was bedane holding him back in free agency like no no ah. that's not his that's not his bedane role holding him he's back. business side 
he's not football side. Like people don't, I don't think people understand fully what that job entails. But yeah, that's a that is a business of of the organization, not a on the field type of job. We took the Raiders from Oakland. We may be able to take the A's from Oakland. Not everyone here is on board with that. Uh, Oakland voted today on a term sheet. It wasn't the exact term sheet. The Raiders, check that. The A's wanted them to vote on. Well, we've got first comments from the commissioner of baseball, Bobby Manfred, on the Oakland vote today. It's the Big Five at Four. Brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. 570-9000. From the Fantastic Nova Home Loan Studios, it's Cofield and Company. Yeah, give these guys a call. They're awesome. They can work wonders with your house or get you into a new house. Uh, if you have one, if you're an owner, get refinanced, right? The rates are good. Lots of possibilities, lots of options. You might be able to take money out of your house. Frankly, if you've owned the house for a couple of years, it's gone up. We know that. 577-2600 is the number, 577-2600. So the Oakland City Council had their big vote today. They voted 6-1-1 one, and one in favor. But in favor of what? It was their term sheet, not the A's term sheet. The A's are annoyed about that. So it'll move forward. But the A's are talking tough like this. This essentially was a no. You didn't vote on our term sheet. So Bobby Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, said, quote, for uh, the last four years of my request and urging, the athletics have invested significant resources and have made a major commitment to their community in the hopes of remaining as Oakland's only major professional sports franchise. Ooh, dig. We are disappointed the city council chose to vote on a proposal to which the A's had not agreed. We will immediately begin conversations with the A's to chart a path forward for the club. That means nothing. No. No. It didn't say we will immediately begin conversations with the A's on moving to Las Vegas. Or Portland. Or yes, Vancouver. or making sure that Vegas has five or six competitors beyond Oakland to get the best deal out of Vegas. Because what will happen if they do decide to move on from Oakland, which, which this does not mean they have. Uh, this means that there's going to have to be further negotiation. They'll have to try to figure out their term sheet and Oakland's term sheet and try to figure out the difference between those. They'll try to keep working on that. But it doesn't mean then they'll go, okay, we're coming to Las Vegas. It'll be, okay, Las Vegas, how much are you paying us? And then once we commit to something, they'll go to Portland and say, Portland, Vegas is doing this. What are you doing? Right. Vancouver, what do you got you for really us? You really think that's going to – is that is that being cynical or you really think that's going to happen? I really think it's going to – of course that's what's going to happen. All right. Well, so that's the update from uh, Rob Manfred. Real quick, update. Uh, this is trending with the Olympics. Uh, six Polish swimmers have been sent home from the Tokyo Olympics. Have you seen why? Not COVID. Let it marinate a little bit. Uh, <laughs> six Polish swimmers have been sent home from the Tokyo Olympics after the country accidentally selected too many. Let it marinate. If you're older than me, you know what you want to say, but you can't say it now. Don't go full Andrew Catalan on Mike Jaminski. Sure. Which, by the way, I'm like the only person who mentions that. But you remember high-rising CBS announcer at a college basketball game probably five years ago? thought sitting next to Mike Jaminski that he would drop a Polish slur and a joke. And everyone's like, wait, what? Like, thanks, Uncle Andy from 1971 with a joke. So anyway, so how many write your own jokes there? Uh, apparently, they were only supposed to send 17 athletes and the Polish Swimming Federation mistakenly sent 23. 
That's disappointing. If you you're like, you you travel to Japan, you're going to be in the Olympics as a polo swimmer. And you're like, yeah, we sent too many. Like, what do you mean you sent too many? Can't make a mistake like that. No comment. Yeah, we'll get. Uh, I'm thinking of a lot. Of different we, we got PFTs, Pro Football Talks, Miles Simmons coming up for his regular Tuesday spot. We'll get into uh, his opinion of Mark Bedin uh, walking on the Raiders, and we've also got another bizarro story. Adam Hill's friends are the worst. Cofield got his mortgage tuned up. You should too. Call 877-700-NOVA now to lower your interest rate and lower your payments. From the fantastic Nova Home Loan Studios, it's Cofield and Company. Let's get to some football talk. It's not always football talk, even though it is the guy from Pro Football Talk, Miles Simmons. Miles, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, gentlemen. How are you? Uh, we're good. We're usually, uh, as your spot comes up, we're usually talking about something goofy. Uh, have you seen the stories of the cardboard beds at the Olympic Village? Apparently, they are strong, stronger than a wooden bed. We know you moved to L.A. Will you consider buying a cardboard bed so we can hear if it's good or not? Uh, no. Um, I like my bed, and this is really the first bed that I've had with the headboard. So the funny story about, like, the bed thing, like, I bought this bed in probably 2017, 2018, and I literally had it in my apartment for uh, around a year or so, and then I moved from L.A. and then got rid of my old bed and then used this new bed finally when I moved to Las Vegas. And so then I it moved with me to North Carolina. It was in storage for the last couple of months, and now it is here with me in Los Angeles, and I'm actually using it this time now that I'm back in L.A. So I know a lot about beds and buying beds, you know, I guess you could say. But, no, I would not get a cardboard one or whatever it is, even though it holds 440 pounds. You know, that's what I heard the latest on that. (laughs) Yes, yes, that's it, 440 pounds. Um, What do you think of Mark Bedane walking on the Raiders? There's no segue. I just wanted to get to that quickly. There really is no segue there. Okay, cool. No, Uh, no, I I thought it was certainly interesting. I mean, look, everything that – has come out over the last 24 hours has been it's like, man, that, that was really abrupt and it was very surprising. I mean, it was certainly surprising from a national perspective because you didn't really hear about, you know, anything that would suggest that this was happening um, in the near future. Um, but then, you know, of course, like reading Adam Nick's story, reading uh, Ed's column today from the Review Journal, right? Like it, it seemed like it was pretty shocking coming out of Las Vegas too. So, I think whenever you're talking about a team president and one that had as big of a job as Mark Bedane did, moving a team from one city to another, getting a stadium built like Bedane did, that's a big job. And so he got that all done, you know, and he couldn't really have done probably a better job for the Raiders than he did in what his mission was, which was finding the Raiders a long-term stable home. Um, and I guess, you know, once you've done that, it, it, it's kind of like, all right, well, what's next in my life? And, you know, it, it's, it's weird when it happens, you know, about a week before training camp is set to begin. But, you know, apparently there was something going on that in his life that he just said, man, you know what? I, this is what I want to do and this is what I'm going to do. So, you know, I guess you got to wish him well. That would line up with being tired, which is what I heard about Mark Verdade. He's tired. Are you ever tired, Miles? I'm tired all the time, Adam. I was mostly tired when I worked with you, but you know, that you know, was really, you, know, <laughs> you don't just re- for a year. You can't just retire because you're tired. 
or you're walk away from your job because you're tired? Sure you can. Why not? When you have enough money, you can do whatever the hell you want. Why can't you? Well, it's a fair yeah. point. I mean, you, you'd be walking away every day, though. You're tired all the time. Maybe it's because you don't have a cardboard bed that would fix those things, I suppose. <laughs> uh, Cam Akers, this, this is a tough injury for the Rams. Uh, Cam Akers, we expect to have a much bigger season, a much bigger role this year. I think they were counting on that. And uh, now he's gone. How much of a loss is this for them? Oh, I, I think it's a really significant loss, Adam. And, and the, part of the issue is, is that like this was about to be the best running game that Matthew Stafford had probably ever played with. Because, look, when you think about all those years that Stafford had in Detroit, he never really had like a great run game. I mean, you can maybe go through some of those names at running back and think, oh, yeah, I mean, that guy was okay. But you never really thought of the Detroit Lions as a team that could really run the football well. And that's kind of the Rams' offense under Sean McVay. That's been their bread and butter when they've been at their best in 2017, 2018 with Todd Gurley. They have been a team that runs the football extremely well, and then they pass the ball off play action. So in order to really replace Cam Akers, you're going to have to do some digging. I mean, sure, they're excited about Daryl Henderson. I mean, I I understand that. Daryl Henderson has some wiggle. He's got some ability. But he has not necessarily been able to stay completely healthy over his first two years in the league. So it's going to be interesting to see if they stick with Henderson, if somebody else emerges in training camp, or if they go out and they get an external option. Because, look, hey, Todd Gurley's still out there on the free agent market. Um, and there are some other backs that are out there, too. I mean, Adrian Peterson is a kind of a guy that maybe would come to mind. I don't know if he's an exact fit either. Um, but, yeah, this is... When you're talking about Cam Akers, a guy that performed really, really well down the stretch for the Rams last year. And again, their offense got better as the, at late in the season because Cam Akers was able to run the ball, and so you had less pressure on Jared Goff, who was not throwing the football very well. Um, and so because of that, yeah, it, it's a huge loss for Los Angeles, but I, I don't think that that really changes what the expectations are for them as a team. Because, frankly, Matthew Stafford is the best quarterback probably that Sean McVay's ever had for his offense. Miles Simmons, pro football talk here on Cofield and Company. Uh, Michael Irvin comes out yesterday, hammers the Cowboys in their situation, saying the players that are unvaccinated really aren't about winning. I wonder what your reaction is what Irving said. And is there a vibe developing around the league? Or do other people feel this way? Uh, you know, versus those who right now are leery or fighting, uh, and well, as we say all the time, Cole Beasley fighting for freedom? Yes, I, I think that it's like you've got your Cole Beasley, who has been the most outspoken, I'm not getting this vaccine, and you guys are trying to limit my freedoms, and I can't stand that you're doing this, versus, and you've got people like on the total other side of the spectrum, you have somebody like Russell Wilson, who literally went on television and had a, hosted a special with his wife encouraging people to get this COVID vaccine. I thought that Michael Irvin's comment was really interesting because there is a competitive advantage to the teams who have more vaccinated players, right? If you have more vaccinated players, that means you're going to have fewer restrictions. If you have fewer restrictions, then that means you're going to be able to operate more normally. And if you're operating more normally, that's a competitive advantage over a team that has about 50% of its players um, who are vaccinated and still have to run around wearing masks and, you know, really, essentially functioning as basically they were last year where so many things were on Zoom and all that. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but if I never hear Zoom 
after yeah. this is all over, it will be too soon, right? And I think that that's the way a lot of coaches feel, too. They want to be able to be in person. They want to be able to have really the formal instruction that they're used to having with guys, especially in a setting like training camp. Now, that's one of the essential things of training camp is the in-person interaction. And so when you don't have that, um, and when you can't have that with a bunch of unvaccinated players, it, it, it's going to be weirder even than it was last year probably because teams aren't going to be on the same level. Right? I mean, last year, everybody had to perform under the same restrictions. This year, it really is down to these individual choices of, I'm going to get this vaccine and I'm going to protect myself and protect others versus I'm not going to get it, right? And so as we continue to see this thing, uh, this pandemic continue for people, especially for people who aren't vaccinated, and yes, there are breakthrough infections and there have been some prominent people in media. Jay Williams, obviously, he's not been on the NBA Finals coverage, which Eisen has also had a breakthrough infection despite being vaccinated. I don't know, County. And now I've got to put my mask on and I've to go to the grocery store because there's so many unvaccinated folks and the Delta variants out there and it's extremely contagious. So it's just like, guys, get yourself vaccinated, get the shot. You're protecting yourself. You're protecting others. And I, I think that Michael Irvin saying, you know, look, this is also a competitive advantage. Maybe that's going to help get through to some people. I don't know. Miles, we appreciate the quick hit. Thank you so much. Uh, what's the schedule the rest of the week in terms of uh, hitting on uh, Peacock or anything else you're doing? Well, uh, we are still on hiatus for PSTPM okay. and PST Live through the Olympics, but Olympic coverage actually begins tonight with softball, so you can check that out on the NBC family of networks. That starts <laughs> at 8 p.m. Eastern. So if you're not interested in the NBA Finals, that is something that you can check out on the NBC Universal family of networks. Company man, that's why you're great. Got Thank it. you. Yeah, that was good. What a what a good segue. Thanks, Miles. Yeah, I I blew it not knowing that PFT was uh, was off Peacock, but uh, he was ready. He's got the time ready to go. Apparently, I think he's watching. He must be watching. He's a pro. Who else would know that off like off the top of their head? Pros. Is that what they said of the RJ about him? He's a pros pro. He's a pros pro. He's a man's man. He's a guy's guy. Let's not do that discussion again. All right, let's check in on the uh, last couple minutes here before the game goes off. Game six is Sam Peniatovich, our gambling expert on Tuesdays, will tell us how he's going to play the Bucks and the Suns tonight. The show never ends. Watch the Cofield and Company late night pod tonight at nine o'clock on YouTube or at Steve Cofield on Twitter. It's Cofield and Company's eye on sports betting. With Sammy P. Sammy P. All right, NBA game six, NBA final game six is up here in about an hour and 15 minutes right now. The Bucks are four and a half. Total is 221. Bucks have a chance to close out the series. Let's find out how to bet the game or maybe the rest of the series if you think it's going to seven. Sam Paniotovich is with us. Hey, Sam. Mr. Cofield, you're not going to ask me for a lock, are you? You know there's no such thing. No, but I actually – I. I'm not going to say it's a lock. I am betting the Suns tonight. I do think the Suns will win, and I do believe this is going to seven. Here's what I heard this morning, and uh, mind you, I haven't made a position on game six, but I'll tell you what I have after I get through with this. I had a buddy who's a very sharp better tell me that he thinks the league is pump-faking the public because for all the talk about Scott Foster being the anti-Chris Paul and making life hell on Chris Paul – Scott Foster is also a soldier of the league. So <laughs> this guy who bets for a living, he believes that the Suns are the right play. 
and that Scott Foster is going to do everything in his power to keep the Suns around. I cannot confirm or deny that. That is just a theory that I heard from somebody that knows what they're doing. Would this be really be the year the league wants a Game 7? I think every game you have in the NBA Finals, it creates more revenue. I think we understand that. I, I'm, I'm not saying the league is going to do this uh, per se, but if there's one league that would, this is the one. Uh, you know, Tim Donaghy and Scott Foster have a lot in common, if you know what I mean. Um, you know, you go back and you watch the tape of some of their games, look at the free throw counts and all that. Um, for me, it's simple. It's, you know, the Sun supporting cast has to make three-point shots. Uh, that's been the story of their postseason. If they don't make shots from deep, they don't win. And that's the reality. So, um, look, I took the Bucks. You know, Steve, you and I talked about this a couple weeks ago. Bucks went down 2 nothing. I hopped on the Bucks at 4-1. to I thought it was a great bet. You know, they, they did what they were supposed to do, Phoenix. They won the first two at home, goes back to Milwaukee, and I thought, you know, they were going to win three and four. And, and that's what happened. I didn't think they were going to win three in a row. But that's where I'm sitting right now. And the debate I'm having internally is, all right, I've got the Bucks plus four and a half. Should I throw a little bit on the Suns to win the series? Like, that's where I'm at. So it's different for everybody. It all depends on your situation. That was my. That was actually going to be my question, so I'm glad you brought it up. Like, you can now guarantee a profit by taking the Suns plus money. Uh, why, I guess why wouldn't you? What would be the, What's the holdup? I don't know. I, I think the better hedge, <laughs> honestly, I think the better hedge is just taking Phoenix with the points. Like yeah. that's probably that's probably the best option if we're being honest, um, because then Milwaukee can win by one, two, three, four, and I could cover the sun spread and then also move across and, and bounce with the Bucks. Uh, that's you know if I do decide to do anything, that's probably what I would do. But man, they have. They have figured out a way defensively. I give Coach Bud credit. He was a dud. He was Coach Dud the first two games. They have made all the right adjustments, and they have made life hell on Chris Paul. Dude, Chris Paul has sucked in the last three games, and, like, nobody talks about it. You know, we, going into the series and after the first two games, it's, oh, my God, Chris Paul's finally going to win a ring. Dude, Chris Paul, they haven't beaten a team with a, a good player yet, like in this postseason, you know? They beat the Lakers without Davis. They beat the Clippers without why they beat the Nuggets without Jamal Murray like I, I I'm sorry I'm not in on this Chris Paul love fest Chris Paul's been losing big games since he was a junior at Wake Forest and they went in Illinois and got their asses kicked like they he just doesn't win big games so I I never got the whole Chris Paul hype train in this case do you think he's hurt though oh is that what is that what it is now he's been hurt the whole playoff so but I, I thought he was fine. I thought, like, the shoulder was – it's always – the injuries always come out when the team doesn't play well. I mean, it, look, everybody's hurt. Giannis is hurt. It, I thought Giannis's knee exploded in the last round. So, I, everybody's <laughs> playing hurt, man. It's, it's part of the game. Sure. Sam Peniovich, uh, Fox Sports, and also Nesson is with us. All right, hey, what's going on in your neck of the woods in Massachusetts with the uh, legalization stuff? Holy cow, it's the Wild West out here, even though we're way east. Um, you know, here's what happened. A month ago, there was a five-hour hearing – with Massachusetts state reps and senators. There were some team executives, sportsbook officials, casino people. They were having a hearing on all of the betting bills. At the time, though, a month ago, tell me how they had 20 bills. <laughs> how do you have 20 bills? If you have 20 bills, you have no bills, right? Well, the news breaks yesterday, like almost at the end of the workday, that, hey, they're going to hear two bills on Thursday. So if you read between the lines... 
the legislature has gone from 20 bills to two bills in a month. If you don't understand the progress there, you're not paying attention. And it, it sounds like the, the bills are going to appease the majority. That was the issue. When you have 20 bills, every bill does something for somebody else. It looks like the original bill that was introduced and this new bill that they have sort of edited, for a better term, that makes everybody happy. Casinos, slot, uh, slot parlors, horse tracks, mobile, like the bills that are going to be heard on Thursday are serious. There's momentum. And this is what happened last year. The House passed the bill. The Senate didn't. The Senate apparently is a lot more willing, dude, because they keep looking at the numbers. How many people leave Massachusetts for Rhode Island, for New Hampshire? And guess who opens up September 1st? Connecticut. So you're going to have three states bordering Massachusetts that are stealing money from your state. I think the people are paying attention now, and I expect this thing to get through. Uh, Massachusetts, once they're slotted in, we're talking about, what, top five state in terms of a handle? Yeah, I mean, at that point, I think top five is accurate. I mean, we've seen Indiana and Colorado in the top five, so I think Mass would be, they'd have to be at the table. But if you really think about the whole landscape, some of the big fish aren't even here yet. We're talking California, Texas, Florida, Massachusetts. Think about when those states all enter the party. You know, Florida's on its way, but, I mean, you still have some heavy-hitting states that, that aren't doing numbers. And even, like, New York, they don't even have mobile still. I mean, you still got people in New York that take the train or the bus in New Jersey, bet on their phone, and then go back to New York. So once everybody figures out their plan, respectively, I mean, we're talking about some states are going to have billion dollars worth of handle in a month come football season. Sam Panayotovich on Cofield & Company. Let's look ahead for a second here to the expansion draft and the uh, possibilities with the new Seattle Kraken. I just saw a quote from uh, Jonathan Marcheseau of the Golden Knights. He said, uh, they're going to have a good team. They're probably going to make the playoffs talking about the Kraken. So what do we do here? Because the future odds, like I saw the, the point total over under a few weeks ago. That was kind of interesting. What, what else can we bet on the Kraken? Uh, now, what point total did you see? I don't mean to ask you a question, your question, but what total did you see? Do you remember? Yeah, I saw 66 and a half, 67 and a half. I think that's, I think that's five or ten points too low, to be honest with you. Here's the thing. When you think about that division, it, mm-hmm. it's very bottom-heavy. you got some teams that suck. You know, <laughs> yeah. the Sharks are bad. The Ducks are bad. The Kings are like, they're hanging on for dear life. You know you've got two good teams at the top, but three teams from that division make the playoffs. And if you pay attention to some of these defensive players and the goalies that are on the, uh, the list, you know, there's a chance Seattle's going to have Carey Price and three good defensemen. Now, are they going to score enough to win the Stanley Cup? No, but are they good enough to make the playoffs? I, I think they will be. We don't, we don't know anybody on the roster yet, but when you look at some of the possibilities, it's clear that they're going to be a tough team to move the puck on. They're going to be tough to score on. And I, I'll tell you what, I, I don't think that number is going to close at 66.5, 67.5. It's probably going to get bet up once the roster fills out. But if you can bet that now, I think that's a great bet going over. Did you see the some of the books in Vegas move the the crack into like forty to one to win the cup? I'm like, they don't even have a player yet. That's crazy. Well, they don't get burned like they did with the Knights. And remember, with the Knights, part of what people were doing was just having those tickets as souvenirs, and they almost ended up paying off. I'm sure people are going to do the same thing with Seattle, so they're going to take Seattle money no matter what, right? Yeah, they'll take money, but they're not going to take as much money as they would if it's a hundred, two hundred. You know, I remember. 
Dwayne Colucci at the Rampart. You know, they had him at I think five hundred to one. And I remember, I'll never forget, he, we were we were having lunch one day, and he goes, I would have got fired if, if they would have won the cup, you know? Because <laughs> you think about it, you know, a $100 souvenir bet at 500 to 1, dude, that pays 50 racks. Um, I don't think there were, you know, I don't think there were a shortage of bets on, on the Knights at 25, 50, 100 to 1. So, look, yeah, you're totally right, though, Adam. I mean, they learned their lesson. You're, not, you're, not, you're never going to see a hockey team open up, especially an expansion hockey team open up 500, 300 to one. Now a team like Buffalo, a team like Detroit, you know, their odds are still 125, 150 to one. And they actually have a team and a coach and everything. So uh, it's amazing to compare the Kraken to, to some of the bad teams in the league. I mean, the Kraken one book in the, in the, in the country has 40 to one right now. It's, it's insane. Cleveland still has a baseball team. Yeah. We have uniforms and everything. Uh, <laughs> me of that. Um, so is, is there anything, anything you think you take advantage of like watching the expansion draft, like with other teams where teams maybe get you know hurt by the draft or helped by the draft in some way or some sort of movement? Like, will you be monitoring during the expansion draft to maybe take advantage of the futures market? You know, I was, I was talking to Jeff Davis about this for chicken dinner. You know, he's a great hockey bookmaker at Circa. And I was like, you know, what's really going to change? And he said, well, for starters, from the Kraken, we're not going to go any lower. Like, if they get Carey Price, that's already built in. That being said, when you look at the other teams that are all going to lose a piece, you know, that's sort of factored in. Um, if it's a high role player, maybe, maybe the future price goes from, you know, 40 to 50, or the other way it goes 60 to 50 or something. Like, you know, I mean, it's going to move maybe a little bit here and there, but, you know, the Kraken number's not going to move because that's already baked into the line that they're going to get good players and they might get a great goalie. I, I don't know that any NHL team is going to lose a superstar. I mean, that's I think we all understand that. If you lose a third-line center or, a, you know, fourth defenseman, that's, that's really not going to change a whole lot. Um, you know, I, I think the way to look, though, is, is to track these point markets. You know, the futures aren't going to move. Odds to win division and cup and all that, those aren't going to change. You could see moves in points. You could see a team move three, four points. So that'd be something I'd be paying attention to. If you think a good player is going to leave a team, you might want to bet that under for points as soon as possible because I promise you, you want to be ahead of the move. Sam, we're up against it. We appreciate it. Uh, Chicken Dinner Podcast is where you want to go. It's at Chicken X Dinner. Next week, I want to get into the NBA draft props because i know you had something today on duarte but let's get into that and uh it's gonna be a big betting event next thursday dude duarte under 20 man get it now it's like 20 and a half that thing's gonna be like 16 and a half next week all right there you go he's on top of it thanks sam see you sam paniotovich nesson fox sports yeah the draft is next week so you know i'm down with that evan mobley number two pick plus 225 Nice bet. Two non-NCAA players going inside the top ten you can bet. That would be uh, Green and Johnny Kaminga. Uh, Tom Boy's brother. Okay. You're already, you're, those are in pocket. I like those. Solid. That's plus 135. All right. Well, good deal. Good show today. Thanks to Nova Home Loans. 577-2600 is the number. What do you got cooking tonight? Sleep. NBA Finals Game 6 is the answer. Oh, that's right. I'll be listening right here. (laughs) Yeah! That was awesome. Great plug. (laughs) Pre-game show is coming up right here on ESPN Las Vegas. So stick around. We'll see if we're going to have a Game 7 on Thursday. Again, thanks to Nova Home Loans. Make sure to give them a call. Get that mortgage tuned up. 577-2600.
is a number. Fine job of booking the show today by uh, one Ari. An excellent job spinning the knobs, pushing the dials, whatever. Uh, I always screw that up. By Angel. We'll see you tomorrow. Back at 3 o'clock start tomorrow with Cofield and company. Tonight, 9 o'clock, Cofield and company. Late night happy hour, 9 o'clock start at Steve Cofield.